0: Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football. We talk NFL and college football. PintGlassFootball.com is the website. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler. What's up, PGF Nation? We're back today. We're going to recap and give our thoughts on each of the NFL wildcard weekend games. And then on Thursday, we're going to drop another episode where we're going to preview each of the divisional round games and some predictions for those. But joining me to break it all down, my co-host, Alex Higdon. Alex, what is going on?
1: Hey, Brad, an exciting weekend. A lot of unexpected losses Vegas probably made a killing and I know there were a lot of TVs broken this weekend
0: (laughs) man unreal wildcard weekend is so fun we had some blowouts we're gonna get into those we had some shocking upsets like you said but what a weekend I love wildcard weekend I know you do Alex just so many good games I love the format and just the way they do it splitting all those games up so much great football let's dive into it and look you know where we got to start Alex America's team gets blasted by the Packers. They were a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite going into this game, the two-seed going up against the seven-seed Packers, the feel-good story Packers. But let's start with Dallas before we shift to Green Bay because the score, if you didn't catch this game, you just looked at the box score, you might think, oh, this was closer than it was because this game was over at halftime. This was a blowout. The Packers jumped out to that 27-0 lead. The Cowboys made a push late in the game to make it look more interesting. But really, it was against Green Bay and mostly their backups. I mean, at that point, they had a lot of backups in the game. They were playing a lot of prevent defense, just trying to get out of there with the W. I said it all year, Alex. I don't believe in this Dallas team and it starts with the quarterback. Look, Dak plays great against average teams. He plays great against bad teams, but versus good teams, and in the playoffs especially, he shrinks, and he did it again. He was terrible in this game. Threw two picks, including that back-breaking pick six in the first half. Had two other picks that were just plain dropped. I mean, just threw it right to Packers defenders. Could have been worse than it was. And don't let the junk time stats fool you guys. He was bad in this game. I think the question is really shifting around this team now. Is Mike McCarthy really the guy in Dallas? Because Alex, I think he's gone. I, I really do. It's not official yet at the time of this recording. I think it's coming. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'm getting in a room with Dak Prescott as well. And I'm renegotiating his deal. Or if not, I'm moving on. Because you can't pay Dak 40 or $50 million knowing that he can't get it done when it matters the most. Look, we've seen enough. I know I've seen enough. He doesn't play well in big games. You were the two seed, Dallas, at home versus a seven seed, playing against the youngest team to make the playoffs since the 1970s, and you get blown out? It wasn't even competitive. Yes, I know, the defense was bad, but so was the Packers' defense. It's not like you were going up against the 85 Bears. Dak, go beat them in a shootout then. You got to step up in that moment. He couldn't, he didn't do anything in this game until the game was already over.
1: The number one thing I think was a problem, and you alluded to it, was coaching. This was a failure at all three levels. Offense, defense, special teams, they failed across the board. There were no halftime adjustments. They went into the half 27 to seven scoring at the end of the second half came out into the third quarter. It did nothing. They did not force the green Bay has stayed in that man zone, the entire game. And Mike McCarthy did nothing to get them out of that straight defensive stat. That's the first thing. Secondly, the defense, there were people running wide open All game long. Luke Musgrave literally had an hour to wait for a ball to come out of the sky, stop running his route, catch it, and then run into the end zone. Romeo Dodd, there were people running free all game long. Their best receiver, quote unquote, first round pick Christian Watson only had one catch for nine yards. He wasn't even a factor in this game. Aaron Jones, who was basically, as a lot of memes are going around, is the father of the Cowboys, he had 21 carries for 118 yards and three touchdowns. And if you go back through Aaron Jones's career against the Cowboys, he has been a cowboy killer. So that run defense, would which had been a problem all season long, we all knew about it had been an issue. Now, I know this talk about the coaching aspect of things. People can say what they want to say about Jerry Jones. He's loyal, but loyal to a fault. Everybody had been waiting for him to get rid of Jason Garrett for years. They got rid of him three years, a little bit too late, but he's very loyal to a fault. There's a lot of jokes about him crying and everything. I mean, obviously, let's be fair. We know what this is. This man is In the final chapter of what he would feel that his life is, which he said himself, he thinks that he has set this team up to go on a run. A lot of people did as well, but this was not the stop where they thought that this would end. What Jerry Jones has done, they have been drafting well. People talk about him as a GM and interfering. They've been drafting very well. And he thought that he had this team set up this year to make a run. It didn't. I'm not sure if he will move just given his... He does not make erratic decisions at the coaching. He lets coaches stay and build and develop into what he thinks that they can be and gives them a lot of, gives them a long rope before he cuts it. So I'm not sure if he goes in a different direction. And again, where he's at now and how he's been talking. I'm not sure if he wants to go you hear the names, the Bill Belichick's and and Jim Harbaugh. I'm not sure he wants to go in any of those directions given how he likes to have his coaching staff set up. I can't say that I see Mike McCarthy getting fired. Perhaps you're going to see somebody coming as an OC and maybe they'll focus on maybe Derrick Henry is going to be a free agent. Maybe they focus on getting a running game, a stronger running game. And obviously they need some linebackers, which they were decimated by injuries there. But I don't know if they're going to move off of the head coach.
0: Alex, doesn't it feel like this team's peaked though? This team specifically, this Mike McCarthy team led by Dak and this roster, doesn't it feel like it's peaked? Yes. 12 wins every year is great. But you hit on it. He gets out coached in these big situations. Dak gets outplayed in these big situations. Do you feel like if it was your team, I'm, I'm going to put, you know, you talk about putting your CEO hat on. If you're running the Cowboys, do you make a change?
1: I'll be honest with you. I really have to sit for a moment and not do anything and really look because I have to have the quick. And I've heard this from Cowboys fans about Dak. Okay, if not Dak, then who? Because right? the, the point that you you have a very talented roster, I don't know if I'm moving off of that, then I have to be able to say, then I'm bringing in this person that's ready to win right now. If I don't have that answer and I don't have that player in mind, I can't move off of that. But then I also fix my running game and I also go and get fix my linebacking core, which was a huge issue. And obviously you have to find a defensive tackle to stop that leakage that huge leakage that you have during the run game but this is a very talented team this is a very talented roster I'm sure in a team in a game that we'll talk about later the Steelers would have loved to have a Dak Prescott you see what I'm saying it goes both ways so I'm not sure which direction I would really want to go in at the moment and for probably the first time during the during this season's podcast I'm at a loss and I don't know what I would do exactly right at this moment
0: yeah Alex and I think it's all valid points I think for me and then like I said earlier I get what you're saying about who's the guy. If you move off of Dak, who's the guy? And that's 100% valid. My thing is, I'm not paying him 40 or $50 million. That, that's my biggest thing. If, if we're going to keep Dak in the room, it's got to be at a more team-friendly price so that you can continue to build this roster around him because he's clearly not a guy that can elevate this team to the next level. He's going to have to have a perfect roster around him, it feels like. And look, to Mike McCarthy's credit, Dak probably had one of his best years of his career in that West Coast offense that McCarthy installed with him calling the plays. But once again, they both continue to come up light when it matters. So for me, that's the biggest question mark is could a new coach come in and get this team over the hump? I think that is a legitimate question. I want to jump to the Packers here for a second, though, because their quarterback was great. I mean, Jordan Love, wow. This guy was lights out. He looked confident. He looked loose this entire game. This entire Packers team actually just looked loose and confident right from the coin flip. And Matt LaFleur, we don't talk about coaching. He absolutely coached circles around Dan Quinn. I mean, does anybody really want this guy as their head coach now? Because there was a lot of questions about Dan Quinn being this hot commodity. I'm not so sure anymore because I think his stock took a major hit in this game. And when you look at his success as a head coach, he really only had some success when Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator there in Atlanta. Look at this young Packer team, though, because this Packers team is fun to watch. They have so many young playmakers. I mean, like I said before, Matt LaFleur just not getting enough credit. I've said it on this podcast in the past. I don't think this guy gets enough credit as a head coach. What a job he's done. People wanted to give all the credit to Aaron Rodgers because he had this MVP level quarterback, but look, now he has a young team back in the playoffs and making some noise hats off to him, that coaching staff and those players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is what we were talking about when we start talking about coaching, when, when you have a quarterback and he's confident in the game plan, you get a game like we got from the Packers as a whole, not just Jordan love, you're right. In talking circles, you had, at one point, Dallas had their best pass rusher in coverage. Micah Parsons was in coverage, and they were befuddled on what they needed to do. Obviously, like I, I spoke to before, Luke Musgrave, Romeo that there were a couple of open players that were running wide open with no coverage. He had them lost. And then, on top of that, the defense. Nine QB hits, four sacks. They were consistently getting pressure on Dak Prescott. Causing him to throw some of those errant throws, as well as causing him to be off the mark with other throws, even though there was a big drop by CeeDee Lamb. I'm not sure if even if he caught it, it would have made a difference the way that the Packers came in with the confidence that they came in. We believed in the Green Bay Packers. And not only were we a year ahead on that, I don't even rather, I don't even think we're a year ahead on that now because they've gotten into the playoffs and they've won again. We were only talking about them winning the division. So a pat on ourselves to us again for understanding and seeing that this team was going to gel youngest defense in the league, if I'm not mistaken, a very young core all, of, all around and the Green Bay Packers consistently doing it without free agents, simply doing it with their draft picks and hitting some, anywhere between one through seven and some of those undrafted free agents to get to the position that they are right now.
0: Eagles get embarrassed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Other than the Dallas Cowboys getting absolutely crushed by the Packers, this might have been the most shocking upset. Or maybe it wasn't, Alex, because this team was really reeling down the stretch. Eagles' regular season, their tailspin continued into the playoffs. This team, there's no way around it. They completely fell apart this year at almost a shocking level because they were 10-1. and They get blasted by the 49ers, and it's almost like it broke this team and they just never recovered after that. They lost six of their final seven games. I think Jalen Hurts took a big step back this year. The defense went from great to garbage. It's shocking how bad they got the second half of the year. I think Nick Sirianni is going to get fired. This is a coach to watch here because I think this Eagles team has been quick to give up on head coaches when they think it's not working. Now look, look how fast they moved off of Doug Peterson and that was after they after he won a Super Bowl. So this isn't some great Bucks team and this game was never really in doubt here. If not for one big pass play to Devontae Smith that set up a touchdown late in the first half, it wouldn't even have been a game going into the second half. In the first half, it looked like Baker, at one point, Alex, I'm watching it thinking, man, this guy might throw for 400 yards. I mean, he was shredding this defense. Ray Lewis pointed out on the Manning Cast. He said, "Where's the effort? Where is the effort from this defense? Arm tackles, guys not hustling to the football. That was just an all around embarrassing showing from the Philadelphia Eagles."
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I and I think I've said this. Well, actually, I know that I've said it a few times on this on, on throughout the year on the pod that the Eagles issue is people are talking about this that and the third no your defensive backfield was always this sorry or not as great as you thought they were because you were generating so much pressure up front it made them look great in the back end they weren't that good last year either it's just that you generated 70 sacks and was the number one pressuring defense in the in the league this year you were not you went from 70 sacks down to 43 so that's a huge drop off. But this has always been there. You were not that good. I've been saying it all season long. The Eagles have been playing Bender Don't Brink as a team the entire season. If you go through a lot of those games, going back to the Vikings game where Justin Jefferson fumbled out of the end zone, hopefully they changed that rule. But we were looking at you were, a, you were soft all season long. You were not a top tier team, even though you had been winning. A lot going, starting opening opening up the season 10 and 1. But let's talk about coaching. This is another game we can talk about coaching. Todd Bowles, as a defensive head coach, his scheme and his game plan to blitz the Buccaneers every single down for the most part. I mean, to the point that there were, if I'm looking at the stats correctly... He had been under pressure in less than 2.5 seconds, 13 times against Tampa Bay during this game. He dropped back 35, so 13 of those 35 dropbacks, he was under pressure and had less than 2.5 seconds to throw the ball, which is typically the league average. And on 10 of those occasions, the the Buccaneers generated unblocked pressure, which is tied for the most in any game by any defense in the NFL this season. The Eagles have been horrible against the Blitz. What that should tell you is that is coaching because if you are get if consistently you're getting blitz, that means you have to have that outlet pass. You should be running a slant. You should be running some draw plays to slow that blitz down. So a lot of this goes on Brian Johnson, as well as as well as the head coach in terms of not adjusting to what you don't do well. So we can talk about the players, but again, in a, in a game where coaching truly matters. Coaching failed them during this game. Now, Jalen Hurts, I get it. He might have been out there trying. We have been talking about it all season. Perhaps he had been hurt. But again, you even as a quarterback... You need to be able to check down and understand and change routes and call audibles when they are coming. They literally were running zero blitz, which is why one of the reasons they got that Devontae Smith 55-yard pass off is because they finally were able to hold up long enough for, for him to get one off. But for the most part, he didn't have time to look around because everything was downfield, downfield, downfield. There were no outlet passes during when they were getting blitzed consistently. This is coaching. And if you can't understand and make halftime adjustments and see what's being done and still come up there again, we've talked about it before. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again while expecting a different result. Well, that's why you lost thirty-two to nine because you thought you could go out there with the same game plan and it did not work. And James Bradbury, I mean, I saw you another meme of you, sir. You're on toast. Your face is on toast again. That. That uh, pass to Trey Palmer, where he just took off and eagle for eagle players looked like they didn't care that he was running up the sideline. They had an opportunity to tackle him and they did not. Shows that this was a team that gave up on the coaching, did not believe in the coaching plan and let things go. 32 to, 32 to nine is abysmal. You scored nine points in the second half. You were shut out for three quarters. First, third and fourth, you did nothing. And that that is a direct reflection on coaching before you even get to the players. So you know what, Brad, you text me during this game talking about you think there's gonna be a coaching change. Again, I was unsure on would it be a complete overhaul or would they be looking or were they looking to maybe bring in another offensive coordinator, maybe another defensive coordinator, because we know they panicked on the defensive side, you know, making a change late in the season. So I don't know, but you know what? I'm starting to lean towards you and saying that this may be an entire staff overhaul and they may be cleaning house and bring a new person in
0: yeah i just don't know if howie roseman has the patience I, I really don't especially with the roster that he's assembled now you hit on it they lost a lot of key players but this is still a really good roster this is not a team that should be getting blown out by the tampa bay buccaneers and i want to hit on coaching because you hit that out of the park todd bowles put on a clinic in this game philly had no answers Hurts. Never knew at one point, he never knew where the pressure was coming from. And to your point about there, there was no adjustments. I mean, they played right into the Buccaneers hands with all those empty shotgun sets they were in. I mean, they they ran this offense like it was Peyton Manning back there. I mean, look, Jalen Hurts is not Peyton Manning, guys. Asking him to consistently win in obvious passing sets is not playing to his strengths. After running the ball with DeAndre Swift on the first two plays of the game, The Eagles called a pass on 11 of their next 12 plays. I'm watching this going, who do you think you guys are? Like, what team is this? This is not the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost their identity this year. And I think that's really the most discouraging thing if you're an Eagles fan. This team has got to get back to a run-heavy team that sets up the passing game. Alex, the Kansas City Chiefs, Beat up the Dolphins in the cold, in the ice, in the snow in Kansas City. This Kansas City defense showed again why we said it last week. They're the best in the entire NFL. Yes, it was cold and it was on the road. But this Dolphins offense has been one of the most explosive in the NFL the last two years. They couldn't do anything in this game. Nothing. They got nothing going. Steve Spagnuolo, he does such a great job just disguising and mixing in his coverages in this game. I think he does as good a job with that as any defensive coordinator in the league. Tua just never found a rhythm. Never found a rhythm in this game. He was making bad throws all game. For Kansas City, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, those have to be the guys for this offense going forward. That's become abundantly clear. Rice has been a really good rookie pick. He had a monster game. Pacheco is something they've just never really had. In Kansas City, that physical downhill between the tackles runner and man, how crucial is that guy in games like this in the late season, in the cold, in January, playoff games in environments like this. Kelsey, he's still a weapon, but he's not the same guy. We've talked about it recently. He's lost a step and now he's dropping way too many balls. This is a different Kansas City team, Alex. They're not the team they were a couple of years ago, but the defense might be good enough for them to still get there.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Brad. I made my statement last week. I said that the Kansas City Chiefs are the best defense in the league during the regular season, and they showed it again in the playoffs. I don't care about the weather. Hey, build your team to play in any type of weather. Miami, something I've talked about with a lot of different teams, There's little the speed and not having a power running back it was always going to hurt you when you get to the playoffs and you have to travel into some of these colder States because that speed or the weather may prohibit you from doing as such, or defense may just be a little bit stronger to know how to handle you. But first let's just talk about Kansas city and then I'll get to Miami. I loved what the Kansas city Chiefs showed on defense and on offense. I, you know, we have a very common friend who's a huge chiefs fan. We spoke about, I said, this is going to be a huge game for Isaiah Pacheco. He had his yards per carry average was 3.7, but this was the most productive 3.7 per average, 24 carries. And it was a powerful, punishing 24 carries and then fit the pass in where they needed to. Patrick Holmes did throw for 40, throw 41 times. However, it was really the running game that set the tone for this entire for this entire day, Rasheed Rice a guy we can pat ourselves on the back again that we talked about coming out in the second round that was going to get gradually get better and he now had a another coming out party in one of the bigger games that they needed for Kansas City in the playoffs 8 for 130 in the touch on the Miami side. Again, this is what happens when you don't have an, or actually they they're probably looking at themselves because they did not have a Mike Gasecki because when you put a lot of pressure on the pass and when you don't allow those plays to develop downfield you need an outlet and they didn't have a tight end or a let's say a real good slot receiver to really take the pressure off going downfield and making some of the plays and a lot of that speed from Raheem Moser and Devin A-Chain but they just weren't able to get anything going on the ground they weren't able to get anything going during the pass we know Tyreek Hill broke one you know for a 53 yard for a 53 yard catch and run but other than that they were dismal on offense and non-existent team that the another team that was shut out for three quarters, they did score seven in the second quarter, but for the first third and fourth, Miami was completely shut out, which was one of the highest scoring high flying offenses this year. And again, Kansas city has a run game and a defense and that will travel anywhere in this division as they go through the rest of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alex. And look, Miami, just like Dallas this year, I never bought into this team. And this is why They don't beat good teams. Granted, Miami got hit with a crazy amount of injuries. I get that. You talked about it. And and that doesn't help. Look, I I get it. They they lost a lot of key guys. But hey, that's football. That's how it works. You have to build a team with depth and with a roster that can sustain that because everyone's going to be dealing with injuries. Tua stayed healthy and had a good year. And it's really the first time we've seen him play a full season healthy. And we really saw what he can be as a quarterback. But now... Miami has a real decision to make because he's going to want north of $40 million a year. I don't think there's any doubt that's where his starting point is going to be. And there is no way I'm paying him that much. He had one season where he was healthy. He's one concussion away from probably walking away from the game. And he's never shown me that he can win games consistently versus good teams. This performance didn't help at all. I mean, quite frankly, it just didn't. Alex, are you giving him 40 or $50 million a year?
1: So this is when you have to look at the market. If Daniel Jones got it, then Tua definitely has to get it. However, what you can do is you can have your injury provisions in the contract. You can put some and be clever and put some injury provisions in the contract. You can also front load some of this contract. So on the back end, let's just say in two years, it's not you can get out of the contract fairly quickly. So there's, I think they have some wiggle room here. It's not like they have a a lot of free agents. They've kind of locked up their team. Waddle will be coming up soon, but they do have another year to figure that out. But they can figure out some things with Tua and perhaps lock him up now. And like I said, front load the contract, maybe give him a lot of money up front for these two years.
0: Lions get past the Rams. Maybe the best game of wildcard weekend, Alex. This was a great game. Both quarterbacks were slinging it in this one, back and forth game. This had to be incredible for Jared Goff. I mean, getting some revenge after McVay basically said, look, we're done with you and you're not good enough. We're trading you for Stafford. Him getting some revenge had to feel great. I mean, this was a big moment for him. It's got to be big for him and this team. This rebuild for the Lions has been pretty impressive, and they built this team around Goff and what he does best. The offensive line, I've said it for weeks now, they're the best in the NFL. They were the difference in this game. Aaron Donald and that Rams front seven, they were never a factor in this game. Lions, look, they still have some holes to fill on that defensive side of the ball, especially in that back end, but this team is talented, and I think Goff, is never going to be as talented as Stafford. He's never going to be that guy. He's never going to be making the sidearm no look passes. And that's not who he is. But look, I think he's a guy that they can keep building around. He's not even 30 years old yet. I mean, it feels like he's been in the league forever, but I think this guy still has some good football left to play. He made some big plays in this game, especially down the stretch to put it away. And that pass to pick up that final first down. I mean, that was a gutsy call and he delivered in a big time moment.
1: Good win by the Lions. Gutsy win by the Lions. I know there was a lot of where the money was lying at. I know there was split a lot. There was a lot on the underdog here. I will say this watching this game in the fourth quarter. If the lions should, should the lions lose this game? Cause at that point in time, they had only ran the ball 17 times in the fourth quarter. You drafted this guy, Jameer Gibbs, at number 12, I believe, when a guy like Christian Gonzalez was on there because Matthew Stanford basically threw for about 400 yards. He damn sure could have helped out in that passing game. So that passing game still looks terrible. But had they lost this game, because I was ready to pounce on Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson, that offensive staff, for not running the ball, had Garrett Goff not pulled off a few things because – They ran 25 times for 79 yards, but going into that fourth quarter, they had only run the ball 17 times. And in a close game like this, and you have these two weapons, and you have basically the best offensive line in football, you did not run the ball. The Rams were not good against the run. They were middle of the road. They were middle of the road against the run. You should have been able to overpower that defense and run the ball. Where it shouldn't have, to me, from my perspective, it shouldn't have been that close, but you know what? All credit due to them. They won the game. Amon St. Brown, what a snub for the Pro Bowl. Guy had a great season. Another great game. Seven four seven four hundred and ten. You're absolutely right, Brad. That last pass from Jared Goff to get that, to get that first down, to ice the game was perfect. From the Rams side, you're absolutely right about Matthew Stafford. This guy was a trade candidate. They wanted to move off of him. Sean McVay was talking about not coming back and coaching. There was a lot going on. But kudos to Les Sneed as well as Sean McVay. Kyron Williams, fifth round pick. I believe Puka Nakua was a third or fourth round pick. A guy that I think I sent, Brad, if you remember, I sent you some of the behind the scenes on the decision-making on how Sean McVay fought for Puka Nakua to be drafted. Tutu Atwell, another guy, another late round draft pick because they had traded a lot of their top end picks to get the Super Bowl that they got. So they were really struggling to not having a lot of high in the draft. So they made the most of... What they did with those lower those lower draft picks, Ernest John, Ernest Jones, and so on and so forth. And again, they made it a game. Matthew Stafford dinged up his hand, came back in, showed a lot of guts. We saw Carson Wentz warming up on the sideline, think he was going to come in. But Matthew Stafford, and everybody remembers that game. Again, I cannot remember against his team where he basically, his shoulder was out of socket. He went back out there and threw that touchdown pass and came off to have his shoulder put back in the place. Gutsy played by Matthew Stafford, 25 of 36, 367, two touchdowns. Kyron Williams running hard. I will say this, a key play in the fourth quarter that the player made it 23 to 24 with eight minutes and 22 seconds to go in the game. There was a third and eight at the Detroit 11. I'm excuse me, a fourth and eight at the Detroit 11. I'll talk about the third down and I'll talk about the fourth down third down and eight. There was a pass to the end zone for Cooper cup ran it as if it was supposed to be a back shoulder throw. So I'm not sure who's who's at fault there, but that was a key play. And then on fourth down and eight, again, this is at the Detroit 11 with now eight minutes to go in a very close game, 20 to 24. I could see Sean McVay, the wheels turning and looking for a play that says, what's a play if I go for it here on fourth, a touchdown here. And I, Obviously, he didn't find one because he opted to kick the field goal, and that was the last score of the game, even though Detroit did punt and they did get the ball back, but was unable to do anything with it. But great game, a lot of drama headed down to the wire with it. Gutsy plays by both quarterbacks, by both teams, but kudos to the Lions for moving on. And as we saw, they literally invited all of Detroit was out to see this game. This is the first time I believe they've moved ahead in the playoffs since 1992, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I think for the Rams, Alex, I think this is a team that really overachieved this year. We talked about it earlier this podcast. I believe the over under season win total for them was either five or six maybe it was five and a half but going into the year they had incredibly low expectations and and we talked about it going into the year we thought this could be a team that could be in the caleb williams sweepstakes for this team to overachieve the way they did it's just a hats off to sean mcveigh they hit some home runs in the draft you talked about it puka Nakua in the fifth round i mean that's unbelievable that guy is an absolute stud just shattered all kinds of rookie records at the wide receiver position. McVay showed again why he's one of the best in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they lost this game, but this is a team that, quite frankly, nobody expected to be a couple plays away from being in the divisional round. So I got to give them a lot of credit. They hit on a lot of draft picks, really built this team, and are probably a year ahead of where they thought they'd be at this point. Watch out for this team in April, because if they hit on some more picks, and they have another draft like this, this team could be really scary next year.
1: You know, and I, I'm really quick, I do want to give a lot of props to an unsung hero because Dan Campbell is getting a lot of credit for what's been going on in Detroit, rightfully so. But I want to shout out, Ben Johnson, but I really want to shout out Brad Holmes, the VP, who nobody's talking about. From Since the time he's taken over in 2021, the draft picks and how he's crafted his team, putting this coaching staff together, he deserves a lot of credit as well. I know a lot of GMs ha- that have a high-profile name we talk about, but this is one name that I really want to talk about, Brad Holmes. He's really flipped the entire Detroit team as a culture and as a roster to put them in the position that they are now, so I think he deserves a lot of credit here as well.
0: Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. I personally love the Pick'em game. Just pick between two and five players to build a Pick'em entry. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Download the Underdog Fantasy app and sign up today with promo code PGF. That's promo code PGF to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. The official ticketing app of Pint Glass Football is now SeatGeek. I can't recommend them enough, guys. I've been using SeatGeek for years. You want to go to a game this season? SeatGeek is here to take the confusion out of buying tickets, making sure you get the best seats at the best prices. With SeatGeek, you'll never have to worry about overpaying for tickets again. How? They put a 0-10 to score on each ticket, so you know you're getting a good deal. But here's the real game changer. You can get $20 off your first ticket purchase with the code PGFPOD. That's right, $20 off with code PGFPOD. This season, make every game day epic with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and remember to enter the code PGFPOD to grab your $20 discount. You know what's important when you're having a good time? Staying hydrated. And that's where Liquid IV comes in, the category winning hydration brand that's fueling your well being. With just one stick of Liquid IV, you get two times faster hydration than water alone. Plus, 5 essential vitamins to keep you feeling your best. And let's not forget about the convenience factor. The packaging is perfect for on-the-go, whether you're tailgating or just hanging out on the couch. But what really sets Liquid IV apart is the amazing flavors. Personally, I'm all about the Concord Grape and Lemon Lime. And with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, Liquid IV is made with premium ingredients to give you the hydration and and nourishment you need. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code PGFP at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code PGFP at liquidiv.com. Zencaster is the ultimate web-based podcasting solution. It provides high-quality audio and video podcast production and hosting. With a full suite of professional tools, podcasters can seamlessly record, produce, and publish studio-quality content all from one dashboard. Zincaster's post-production process takes the headache out of audio production. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with a click of a button. Coordinating all your guests to record in person is painful and tedious. Easily invite up to 11 participants per recording with one click. Go to Zencastr.com slash pricing and use my code PGFP, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Buffalo Bills pull away late versus the Steelers. Steelers get in a 21-0 hole, looked like it was going to be a laugher, and eventually they actually pulled to within seven at one point and made it 24-17. They couldn't get any closer to the Bills at that point. The Steelers, or, or excuse me, the Bills pull away at the end. Steelers were slopping the first half, a fumble, a bad red zone interception, what looked like a miscommunication on defense, a missed open field tackle. I mean, when you're a big underdog and you're on the road, you can't give a team this many opportunities to beat you. I got to give credit to Mike Tomlin because this team fought and made some adjustments at halftime, kept it close for a while, quite frankly, kept it closer than I thought it would be at any point in this game. I thought it was going to be an absolute rout, but this is the reason that I really didn't have any faith in the Steelers going into this game. I didn't think they could win or even cover the 10-point spread, and it really just comes down to one guy, Josh Allen. Yes, He makes reckless throws at times. He doesn't always make great decisions with the ball. I'll give you that. But he's the most talented quarterback in the entire NFL. And when he plays like this and he plays like the way he did against the Steelers, he is really tough to beat. He made so many wow throws in this game. I mean, the lasers into tight windows, the types of throws that, quite frankly, very few guys on the planet can make. And even when you have the perfect defense, he tucks it and runs for a 52-yard touchdown, breaking tackles, sprinting away from defenders in the open field. I mean, when it's all said and done, we might look back and say, man, this guy should have won more. And that might be valid. I mean, obviously, we still got to see how his career plays out. Because when you see this guy and you watch the tape, the talent is undeniable. I mean, the arms, the legs, just the ultimate dual threat. He's so fun to watch. This is a quarterback league, and it's a quarterback league like we've never seen before. And it was on full display in this game. You can have a Hall of Fame coach like Tomlin. You can have good players. You can have a really good roster. But if you've got no quarterback, you have no chance in the playoffs in this day and age.
1: You know what? That 52-yard run by Josh Allen, I mean, the Steelers just looked like they didn't want to tackle him. And you're right. Absolutely going into that that first half really looked like this was we were headed for another blowout. Josh Allen, 21-32, 0-3, to three touchdowns. He did try it again. One of those running out the sideline, cross the body throws that normally probably would get picked but did not. And Stephon Diggs bailed him out there. They ran for 34 times, 179 yards rushing and then a TD. We know that T.J. Watt was out, so on and so forth. And I think that Mika Fitzpatrick was pl- kind of playing at maybe half, or I won't say half, let's just say maybe at 75%, which is 100% for a lot of safeties in this league. You know, finally using Kincaid a lot, shortening a lot of the routes for Dix because they did really use that cover too a lot. I don't think that this lets Sean McDermott off the hook. I think he needs to do a little bit more in order to keep his job because I believe he he was on the hot seat all throughout the season and it got hotter and hotter until they went on that run to make the playoffs. But I think that he's still on the hot seat and it could be a potential depending on how they look next week against Kansas City. Now on to the Steelers. You know, there was a lot of talk about Mike Tomlin sitting, making the decision if he wanted to continue coaching the Steelers or not. I can only imagine that was perhaps put out by his agent and their, and their PR team for the most part. He has since said he is returning to coach this team. However, looking at this game... The coaching job that he did to keep them engaged, to keep them to even bring it within seven. But again, when you don't have any semblance of a true quarterback, we're not even talking about top 10. Let's just say top 16. We don't have a semblance of a quarterback that can help you make any type of play to do anything This is what you're going to consistently get. You're going to get great coaching. You're going to get a defense that kind of holds, but you're going to get an offense that cannot get out of their own way because they don't have the quarterback. And if I was Mike Tomlin, I would have not said that I'm coming back. I would have to do something similar to what Lamar Jackson did last year in the offseason and say, I'll wait to see what you do at quarterback because I know if I leave this position, somebody's going to either trade for me and I'll have a job tomorrow, whether it be I'll have a top coaching job tomorrow in college or I'm going to have a top coaching job in the NFL because someone will trade for me because I know what I'm doing because they have done a disservice to this, to this defense, to some of the weapons that they have and to this team and to that city by always going on the lower end and trying to find and squeeze and squeeze a juice out of a turnip with these low end QBs. Denver Broncos make the trade for Mr. Trade for Russell Wilson. The Pittsburgh Steelers sign Ms. Trubisky. There's another trade that happens for Deshaun Watson. The Pittsburgh Steelers signed Kenny Pickett. Now, regardless of how those two situations ended up, those were two situations where people thought that this could be a thing. They were very happy with it. Nobody thought it was necessarily a bad thing outside of maybe how much compensation you may have given up. But you have these quarterbacks coming into your, coming into your conference and coming into your division. You now have Joe Burrow in your division. You now have... Lamar, you have, excuse me, you have Lamar Jackson in division. Now you have Deshaun Watson again, depending on how that looks going into next year, we'll figure it out, but you now have him into your division and your answer to that is Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett that, that, that doesn't bowl well for anybody. This is this was the exact reason that the jets made the move that they did having to deal with Tua having to deal with Josh Allen. they said, we have to get a guy. We have to go get a guy Pittsburgh you have to go get a guy you have a roster and a coach that is a Super Bowl head coach you have a roster that's formidable enough to make a run to a Super Bowl and you're completely failing it by continually to go below the bar and not take a shot at one of these quarterbacks and because either because you're scared or I don't know what but and similar to what I was saying about Jerry Jones, Pittsburgh is very rigid they're very consistent. I don't even know if they would move off of Kenny Pickett should Russell Wilson become available or any other quarterback perhaps. come? Let's just say Matthew Stafford comes available because we know what was happening last year. Maybe they want to move off of him again, and they have an opportunity then. Go get yourself a guy. You have Fryer You have Pickens. You have Deontay Johnson. You have Najee Harris. You have Jalen Warren. You have a solid defense. Make a move. Now is the time to make a move.
0: C.J. Stroud in the Houston Texans blasts the Cleveland Browns. C.J. Stroud, man, he continues to impress. I, I I can't say enough about this guy, Alex. He has been absolutely awesome and lights out for this team. And on another note here, the Bryce Young pick, oof, that just keeps looking worse and worse because this kid is special. I mean, he's got special written all over his game. This was never really a game The Flacco-Cinderella story, well, he turned back into a pumpkin, Alex. Those back-to-back pick sixes were killers. I mean, they were hanging around, but that that was basically it. I mean, when he threw those, this game was over. I said a few weeks ago, Stroud, easy for Rookie of the Year, no doubt about it. I'm still taking D'Amico Ryans for Coach of the Year. I know there's a lot of guys that should be in the mix for that award, but just unreal the job he's done for this team. We forget how bad this team was. I mean, they were picking at the very top of the draft for a reason. Unreal how quick you can turn a team around when you get the coach and the quarterback right, especially a rookie quarterback. Usually when you pair a rookie quarterback with a rookie head coach, that's usually not a great recipe for success, especially a defensive guy. But they hit this one absolutely out of the park.
1: CJ Stroud looking like as smooth as ever. Uh, The defense on point. I mean, there's not too much that we can say about The Browns. I mean, Joe Flacco did what he could do. I mean, a guy coming off the couch. There was, I know, a lot of low expectation, but he got them there. He deserves his credit. Kevin Stefanski deserves their credit, that defense and everything else. Now they have to look forward to the future. And once again, another big game where Amari Cooper disappears.
0: Yeah, Alex, as far as this Browns team, look, Browns fans, I I hope you enjoyed this season because this is the best team that they're going to have for a while. They will not be this good next year or going forward because Deshaun Watson's cap number this year was 19 million. Next year, it jumps to 63 million. So they can say goodbye to this loaded roster. They can say goodbye to all these stars all over the defense. He's going to have to be a top seven guy, top eight guy next year, or this is going to officially become one of the worst deals of all time. We've already talked about the returns on this deal not being very good, but it's going to get really ugly really, really quick if he doesn't elevate this roster because they're not going to be this good. I mean, that's the bottom line. He has to be the guy next season that they spent $230 million on or they're going to be in some serious trouble. This was their year right here. This was the year. This was supposed to be the year that they were going to make some serious noise and make a run at the Super Bowl. And it wasn't supposed to be Joe Flacco coming off the couch to save their season. It was supposed to be the $230 million quarterback on the sideline wearing Browns gear. They have got to do something next year. Because I'm telling you, this team with all this talent, you're not going to get the same level of team. So be prepared, Browns fans, that if Deshaun Watson isn't the guy, boy, it's going to get ugly in that media market and that fan base. It's going to get really loud in Cleveland. That is going to do it for today's episode, guys. But remember, Thursday, we got another episode for you guys. We're going to preview the divisional round. All those games, we're going to make picks and predictions on each game. So be on the lookout for that episode to drop. Make sure you subscribe. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you enjoy the show. But once again, I'm Brad Fowler. He's Alex Higdon. This is Pint Glass Football, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF Podcast.